Welcome back to Basecamp. The last time that we were chatting, we were in this conversation where we're talking through the twin perils of the workplace. And last time we spent the whole episode talking about how we can make work an idol. We had a couple of uh, heart questions that we wrestled through and thinking through how do we make work an idol? How are we tempted to do that? But this episode, we're talking about the the second kind of ditch that we might fall into, and that is that we become idle at work. As we've been talking about since Genesis chapter 3, the problem of work in a fallen world is that it's so easy for us to fail to accomplish God's plans for our work. And this one, being idle, I-D-L-E, at work, lazy or inactive at work, is is a massive one. Uh, And I shared uh, a guy named Sebastian who actually wrote this class for Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. that we're adapting. He actually shared a story of how he became idle at work. And I want to share that as well because it really helps us see what do we mean when we're talking about being idle at work. I know you you probably have stories of people in your workplace uh, or yourself uh, in your workplace that you can think through or maybe even hear in this story. This is what Sebastian said. He said, I started my first business in high school. A family friend asked me one day if I'd be interested in getting paid to seal his deck. So I went to the hardware store and I got lessons on how to use all the tools necessary to do the job, power washers, stains, seals, techniques, right? Like the whole nine yards. He said, I, I did the job for him. And as I was working, inspiration hit. Rather than just enjoy the spoils of one afternoon's work, I decided to print up flyers and plaster the neighborhood with them. Professional deck sealing. And within a day, I'd secured two more jobs. My fledging startup was off the ground, he said. But his driving goal in his business was not to provide superior service or even beautify the neighborhood, much less to glorify God through a job well done. No, his goal was to seal as many decks as possible in as little time as possible for as much money as possible with as little effort as possible. I don't know if you've ever hired someone like that, uh, but it's not good. And the end of this story is also not good. His focus on speed and cost and ease made for some really terrible work. He didn't even think it was necessary to move potted plants and and all of that before even sealing the decks. So some of his customers discovered unsealed circles on their decks when they moved their pots in the fall, right? And so he, he chose not to protect either of the sides of the house. So he ended up leaving a shiny streak at the base of the brick on a lot of the houses. And to his embarrassment, more than one customer asked him to come back and redo the job and also warned to clean up his filthy mess when he was done. Oh, being a high schooler, you know what I mean? Of course, he said at the most basic level, he said this was just bad business practice. And it was. He said, because I was doing such a terrible job, my business was inevitably going to suffer. Yet as inadvisable as such shoddy work on the job might be from a purely business perspective, the more important issue, he said, was my heart. He said, I I believe that mediocre work was okay. The quality of my work didn't really mean anything to me. It was simply a means to an end, right? A way to get money and to serve my own selfish needs and desires. 
Man, I think that's a story that we can all relate to on a lot of levels. It might even be a really great thing for us to think through about being idle at work. Now, earlier in this study on Christians in the workplace, we learned that God created work to be a means by which we worship Him. Right? Our, our work matters mainly because of what our working, our doing, what it says about God. Right? When, when we're creative, we image His creativity. When we're honest, we show that we trust His command to not speak falsely. When we work hard, even though no one is noticing us, we show off the work of sanctification that He's done in our lives. And in all those ways, our work is worship. But we can become idle at work. In other words, we invest it with no significance. Uh, that's kind of what the, the definition of idleness suggests, right? Being idle can be a lot more subtle than simply not working. Well, then what exactly is idleness? Well, writing to the Thessalonian believers, Paul clearly and unequivocally teaches that the most dramatic form of idleness, inactivity, should never mark the lives of Christians. The one who's unwilling to work, he writes, shall not eat. He wrote that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. You can go and read it for context. I would encourage you to. And it's a bracing truth, but it's also a really good reminder for all of us. But, but the Bible warns us against more than just simply doing nothing, right? Just because you're busy at work doesn't mean you're off the hook, right? If we, if we remember from a few episodes ago, we talked about Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. I encourage you uh, to maybe memorize it even. And it explains this. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win or curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I mean, do, do you see what Paul is saying here? He begins with a warning for us at work. Right? To not simply be working diligently when our bosses have their eyes on us or our clients have their eyes on us. Rather, God cares that we work and serve with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. In other words, do your work with all your heart, right? As working for the Lord, not for human masters. See, Paul is making a full frontal assault here on the mindset of idleness in our work. Because who are we really working for as Christians? We're working for Jesus, right? No matter how busy your earthly boss may think you are, if you're not working for the Lord, then, then actually you're being idle from God's perspective. So, so how, do you, how do you know when you've allowed yourself to become idle in your work? Again, just like we did in the last episode, I'm going to give you a minute to think about that. How do you know when you've allowed yourself to become idle in your work and are you sometimes idle in your work so think, think about that for one second
and I, I hope that was uh, enough time for you to think through that. Uh, if not, maybe you can have some time uh, after after we talk about some of the common ways in which we let idle thinking kind of creep into our work. Because surprisingly, I, when I was studying for this episode, I thought, well, I don't think I'm idle in my work. And then I, I read through these three things. I was like, oh, never mind. I think I have some idle thinking in my work. And so let me ask you, like I asked myself, if some of these things describe you. So firstly, it says, your work is merely a means to an end, a place to serve your own needs. Now, sometimes this kind of thinking can become or it can be pretty blatant and obvious, right? I, I work, some people say, so I can play, right? I, I work so I can go to the lake. I, I work so that I can, you know, whatever, right? I'm in it for the money and the things money can buy. Now, now a person who thinks like this doesn't really care much about their job, right? They only care about the other things their job allows them to do. So, so what's wrong with that line of thinking? Well, it ignores the fact that God has purposes for us in our work itself. Uh, Brother and sister, our jobs are more than just a means to an end. However menial, however unmatched to our own interests, our jobs are one of the key ways that God matures us as Christians and brings glory to himself. God has a purpose for your work. Also as a warning, Harkening back to one of our previous conversations, this could also be a sign that you are a functional Gnostic. You, you view work as evil in a means to an end that will allow you to do really important work of ministry outside of your nine to five. But we, we have a lot of, by God's kindness as a church, we, we have a lot of men and women who really feel like God might be calling them into ministry of some kind, whether that's a preaching or teaching ministry, whether that's helping start churches or uh, Instagram accounts or podcasts or, I mean, various things, lots of things. We have really creative, wonderful people in our church that are really wondering and asking what is what is a way that I can serve and and use and leverage my life for God's glory? But but one of the one of the things that we forget is the importance of our own jobs in glorifying God. That that our jobs are a part of the ministry God has given us to do. We don't simply go to work so that we can get done with work and then go do godly things. No, our our work is a godly gift. Right? When we have this biblical theology of work, we see that work is a gracious gift. It's been given to us by God that we might grow. And we try to honor God through our work, to glorify God through our work. Not seeing work as evil and wrong and terrible, but rather seeing work as a, as a wonderful gift that God has given. It's a primary place of ministry that he's called us into. I even think about that with my own wife and, and our kids right now. You know, our little nine-month-old girl uh, at the time of this recording, she's nine months old. And uh, I think about, you know, how, how easy it would be on, on days when, when I'm watching her. I won't even talk about my wife. On days when I'm watching her, um, you know, I, 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 I'm prone to thinking. I hate to even say this for you to listen to it. But when I, when I can, at the end of that day, I can go and do a little bit of work. I'm like, oh, finally, I can do some work now. And isn't that a terrible thing? 
I, I forget often that taking care of that beautiful nine month old for a couple of hours and allowing my wife to do some work is, is actually a gracious work, a gracious gift. And God wants me to, to take care of my daughter in a way that is beautiful and, uh, and sees it as, as a gracious gift given to me by God that I might grow and really put into practice even a biblical theology of work. Oh, so I've even been uh, chastised that by the Lord a little bit this week uh, in studying for this, but it's good. It's good because so often we're prone to not thinking that work or taking care of kids or various things is really the work of ministry that God has called us to do. But friends, this is this is the field God has called us to, to maintain. And, and so... Oh, I hope you're encouraged by that. But I also think about, as I mentioned a moment ago, those of you who I know are slinging paint or building decks or, uh, you know, in an office somewhere delivering furniture and you're wondering what God might have for you as well in the future. Don't waste this moment right now in your life. Don't waste your work. Allow your work to be a means by which you glorify God use this. God is using this in your life and he's forming in you this great, sturdy, strong, biblical theology of work. So that's the first one. The next two won't take as long. (laughs) The the second one is maybe your work totally frustrates you. Now, work will always carry with it some level of frustration. That's life in a fallen world. Yet sometimes we go too far with our frustrations. We become blind to God's aims for us in our work. Instead, the inevitable frustration we feel with work in a fallen world should should turn our eyes back to God. It should remind us that He is ultimate and not our jobs, so that our work can become worship of Him. And the third is that your work can become divorced from your Christian discipleship. It kind of harkens back to the first point we made a second ago, but, but I want to think through this in a different way. I want to think through how our work that God has given it graciously to us, that we might also make disciples, that we might leverage that time, that nine to five, that <laughs> whatever God has given us to, to help us in the mission and aim of God to make disciples who can make disciples, who can make disciples. I mean, if you think about your job and even just think about the people in our church, the people in our church will never meet the people in your jobs unless God does a miracle in those people's hearts and they become Christians and they want to join a local church and by God's grace, you're in their life and you can invite them to church, right? But but oftentimes we, we don't see our great opportunity to make disciples at work. We might think it's inappropriate. Um, we might be managers or CEOs, might have our own companies. But, but what if we looked for ways, appropriate ways, of course, but what if we looked for ways that we really could make disciples? And what if we saw our work as helping us also grow in being a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples? If, if some of this is, is brand new for you, uh, welcome to the club. But, but this is a really great thing for us to really think through and to talk through and to ask other Christian believers about how, how do you make disciples at work. And if if this describes you, I think read Colossians 3 again. See, our work is not something that we do in addition to following Jesus. No, it's an expression of our Christian faith. It's an expression of it. When you're writing a memo for your boss, 
You're worshiping God and following Jesus. When, when you're talking on the phone to a customer or client, you're worshiping God and following Jesus. When you're placing an order or driving a rivet, you're worshiping God and following Jesus. When you're bailing hay, when you're dropping off that next delivery load, right? Like all of this can be worshiping God and following Jesus. It's all worship. It's all discipleship. Paul says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart. Why? It's because you work for the king. Because it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. See, an idleness is not an option. See, brother or sister, we might be prone to thinking that, you know, we can go to all the Bible studies and church gatherings and teaching opportunities and worship nights and all those kinds of things. And and that's good enough. That's good enough for us to be a well-balanced and robust disciple of Jesus. But if we don't think about a large other portion of our life, our work, <laughs> and how we're trying to live out our faith in that context as well, will be imbalanced as a person, right? Think about if you, if you like working out, like if you only worked out your left arm, but, but never really your right arm, you just left it completely, uh, completely no working out at all. Someone might look at you from the left side and be like, oh man, that, that person's strong. And look at your right and they're like, man, that guy's got library arms, which no lie. Somebody has told me I have library arms, so I'm working on it. All right, get off my back. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but that's one of the things that I think we often can do as Christians, we can have a robust discipleship with our family and church, but a weak and emaciated discipleship in our work life, believing that God doesn't care about our work. And that can lead us into sin and disobedience. See, we find ourselves doing things at work that we never do anywhere else. We might find ourselves treating people with contempt, losing our tempers, stealing time or supplies, cutting corners, fudging what's right and wrong, right? When we, we decide that our jobs don't really matter to God, we're less careful to keep God at the front of our minds when we're dealing with other people. We find ourselves, without even realizing it, doing our work without thinking about Jesus at all. So I wonder, how would your work change if you began to approach your job as an arena for God's glory and for your own growth and discipleship? And, and I think I think it could potentially change everything, right? Your your interactions with customers and bosses, employees, all of those interactions that we have can become opportunities to show God's love and goodness to them. That memo that you have to write now becomes an opportunity to serve in the name of Jesus. Every situation that might normally drive you to irritation and frustration, right? Missed deadlines or tension in relationships with coworkers. All of these things now become an opportunity for you to pause, pray, and think. Okay, so God has brought this situation into my life. What does he want me to learn from it? How is this going to strengthen my faith and bring him glory? See, in, in asking these questions and then acting in light of them is precisely what it means to fight idleness in work and to serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, Ephesians 6, 7. And, and so here's the bottom line. Our jobs matter to God. He created us to work. And even though frustration at work is an 
inescapable. It's, it's inescapable. God still uses our jobs to bring himself glory and to do good in and through our lives. So what's the solution to idleness? To repent, to, to turn from wrong ways of thinking, recognize idleness in work as sin, and recommit yourself to God's purposes for your job. We're going to spend the next couple of episodes kind of thinking through this a little bit more in detail. But in thinking through these twin perils, either work being an idol that you worship or being idle at work, which of these mindsets do you typically tend to lean towards? Honestly, as I've shared in this, I, I struggle with both. I struggle with both. I've made too much of my work at times. So when I fail, I, I run to the other extreme to make myself better, acting angrily as if it's a waste of time in the first place. And, and I get frustrated. I'm sure you do too. And so one thing that we can do is, is pray as a church that, that we would come to grow to love Jesus in and through our work. Not only that, but we would see work as a good and a gracious gift. We can also be praying that as the gospel attacks both of these pitfalls, that we would see our own wrong motives and replace those with those that are good and right. So thanks for joining us for this episode of Basecamp and thinking with us through these twin perils. We'll be back later on and uh, going to be discussing a couple of other things that are really important for Christians in the workplace. Thanks for joining along with us in this discussion. And I would also encourage you uh, to be chatting with one another if you know of other people that are listening to this and thinking through their work or even other Christians that you might know that might be interested in, in learning a little bit more about their work, feel free to share this as well with them. You know, primarily this is just for our, our church, uh, for the men and women that are part of our church, but we also know that this, this might be a beneficial thing to maybe some of your coworkers that are Christians. And you start even chatting and thinking through together how you might try to glorify Jesus as you work together in your nine to five. Maybe hold one another accountable and help make disciples together who can make disciples who can make disciples. Because isn't that the goal? That we would use and leverage all of our work for the glory of King Jesus and that we would see his kingdom advance.